Hey, we're on our series called Fixer Upper, and we're talking about the book of Nehemiah and how he was rebuilding the gates, rebuilding walls, and we're using that from 2017, how we're rebuilding situations in our life and how God's helping us to restore things that have been broken down and how to rebuild our own life, rebuild, rebuild situations. So if you got your Bibles, pull those out and uh, get your sermon notes out, and let's open up our Bibles to meet Nehemiah chapter 3. Nehemiah 3. Also, if you've got your version app for the Bible, you can get your notes on there. Your sermon notes are also available under events, I believe. Is it not, still not there? No. That's twice. Didn't, it wasn't there in the first service. And then I went and I thought I hit publish. And uh, so, man, I'm sorry. I, th- I thought they were there. It's, maybe it's just you guys' phone. Maybe I'll try it on mine. Maybe it's... No, I'm just kidding. If, it's, if you're not finding it, and there it isn't. There it isn't. <laughs> Sorry about that. So we get to do it the old-fashioned way today. I'm not sure what happened. Technical difficulty. User error on my part. I thought I, uh, thought I did it right, so evidently I did something incorrect. So you just have to use the paper. That's why we got that. We'll, we'll just rely on the old methods. So uh, we'll use that. But when we're talking about these gates today... I'm going to talk about two specific gates today. And, you know, when we're talking about our community, we all live in a, if you're from here, around here, we live in an agricultural community. And so when we live in an agricultural community, we understand the process of growing. You know, we understand what it means for things to have to grow, and so that it also takes water for things to grow. Whether you've got a farm, or whether you've got a garden, or whether you've got plants, out in your yard or uh, hanging off your porch. We understand that the growing process needs water. And so we understand also that if something's going to grow, there's also things that will try to oppose that growth. You know, whether it be insects or weeds or diseases, things are going to grow and there's going to be things that try to oppose or hinder that growth. It happens naturally in our life. Well, it also happens in our life spiritually. You know, we need to grow spiritually, and, and we need water to grow. We need water to drink, but we need the water in our life for, for us to develop, and also there's going to be opposition to that. So what we're going to talk about today is two things. We're going to be talking about growing, and we're going to talk about oppo- the things that oppose our growth and what that means and how we can get through that. So we're going to look at it a couple different ways, because whenever you get born again, I want us to understand it's important for us to realize that God wants us to continue to grow in our relationship with him. It's not just about getting born again. That's just the starting point. After that, it's understanding everything that Jesus did for us on the cross and growing in the fullness of that. And we'll talk about that. But, we, you know, sometimes there's more to something than we know about, but that doesn't mean it's not there. I'll use this illustration. How many has ever, either in your workplace or even through your bank or even through church, you've had to learn a new system? Like they've got a new billing system, a new accounting system, or a new, uh, you know, P, a new uh, volunteer system where you had to work through that and you've had to figure out how to, how to check in and how to decline, how to accept. When we're working through new systems... We have to go through challenges of learning what all's capable. Or you buy a new car and you, you don't know what all it will do. You get a new phone and you don't know what all the functions are until you learn about all its capabilities. Well, the same thing. When we get born again, we go under new management. 
The Bible says that we're transferred from the kingdom of darkness over into the kingdom of his son. So when we get born again, we move under, from under the management of the enemy, we move under and the management of ourselves to the management of God. So when you go under a new management, you, you have to learn a new system. You have to learn how things work. And just because you don't know how to do it on the first day of that new job, that they got that new system that you've never ran before, that new inventory system, and you got to run it, and you're like, I have no idea how to do this. The first time, it can be a little overwhelming. But as you go and as you learn, pretty soon you learn how it works, and it's really no big deal. You're able to do things on your computer, on your phone, or whatever it may be, that you never could do before. Well, I want to submit to you that it's the same in the system of the kingdom of God. That there are things that we don't know how to do when we initially enter the kingdom that once we learn the system, we're able to work in those areas even though we couldn't do them when we first got born again. Just because you don't know it doesn't mean it can't do it. There's things that if you hand your phone to a teenager, they will make that thing do some things that you had no idea it was capable of doing. It was there all along, but you weren't doing it. You weren't taking advantage of that benefit. Why not? Because you didn't know. Well, there's some things that we can take advantage of in the kingdom of God that are available to us, but we just don't know how to do them. So this is what we want to talk about. This is why we need to grow, because God wants us to develop. God's not just talking about get born again and wait until heaven. Get saved and hang on till heaven. I am excited and pumped about heaven. I never want to minimize the joy of going to heaven. But there's some things on this earth that God wants to give you. We're going to talk about that here in a little bit. So as you see this process, we're going to talk about growing. And we're going to talk about what it means. Our walk with God requires continual growth. And God knows there's going to be opposition to our growth. So we got to figure out how to work those two things out. God didn't leave us hanging. He gave us some ways on how to do that, how to be successful in our growth. Here's what I want you to get out of today's message. I want you to know how to grow in God, and I want you to know how to fight for God. I don't mean fight with God, but I want you to know how to do spiritual warfare. We're going to talk about those two things. So now let's look at Nehemiah chapter 3. We've been talking about all these gates you know, we've been going around the wall, and you see the wall looks like a, like a footprint, and so we've been using this wall and these gates to represent our walk with God, that you need every one of these gates in your walk with God. So we've talked about, we started at the top, sheep gate was the first one, then we went to the fish gate, sheep gate represented Jesus, you need to be born again, need to accept Jesus into your life, that starts everything. And then you go to the fish gate, this is about serving other people, it's about witnessing, it's about telling your story, being fishers of men. And then the old gate is about getting rid of our old lives, saying no to the old ways. We went to the valley gate, talk about endurance and humility, being humble, going low and growing, one of our core values. Went to the dung gate, the refuse gate, this is where we got rid of a lot of trash. We're dumping some things we used to think was important, now it's not so important compared to Jesus. We dumped them. Then last week, went to the fountain gate. The fountain gate is when we learned the value and the power of the Holy Spirit in our life. We need the Holy Spirit. That was what the fountain gate was about. So now we come to the water gate. We're coming up into the home stretch, coming around the wall, and we're going to talk about the water gate and the horse gate. Now, when we talk about the water gate, if you're a certain age, you think about something different when you think about water gate. We're not talking about that Watergate. We're not talking about a political issue from the 70s. We're talking about something spiritual here. So let's look in, in Nehemiah chapter 3, verse 26. Moreover, 
The Nethanim who dwelt in Ophel made repairs as far as the place in front of the water gate toward the east and on the projecting tower. After them, the Techoites repaired another section next to the great projecting tower and as far as the wall of Ophel. Beyond the horse gate, the priests made repairs each in front of his own house. So here we find ourselves to the next two gates, water gate and horse gate. The water gate represents the word of God. Represents the word of God, represents growth. We need water. So Watergate represents the word of God. You can write that there in your notes. So now when we have the word of God in our life, it's going to help us to grow. God wants us to continue to grow. And water is essential in the growing process. We need it to grow. This is about growing to spiritual maturity. God wants us to keep developing. Keep developing. How many of you, if you're a plant enthusiast, you would have, or maybe you've got a garden. How many knows that that garden or that plant would not be successful, it would not grow, it would not flourish without water? If that's the case, then the point we're trying to apply today is, how can we think we will be successful and flourish in our walk with God without the word of God? We would never think, well, I can, my plants can go for weeks and weeks without water and they'll be fine. They can go days without water. They'll be fine. They don't need it. We'd be like, no, they need water. Well, just the same, we need the word of God. We can't go days without the word of God. We need that water. So we're going to talk about what that means. Then horse, we're going to talk about warfare. Warfare is realizing that we do have a battle to fight as believers in our walk with God. We will have to engage in some warfare. And we'll talk about that more specifically. So let's look at the first one. Look at the water gate. Again, this is word of God means growth. So go over to Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4, turn over there with me. We're going to look at a couple scriptures for each of these points. And uh, I want you to understand the value of what God's saying, that he wants us to grow and he wants us to be able to fight. Why does he want us to do that? Watergate and Horsegate. You can write this down in your notes there. We grow, when we're talking about growing in God, we grow through two things. We grow through people and we grow through principles. So we grow through the people of God and we grow through the principles of God. This is how you and I will grow in our walk with God. Two ways. One is people. And we'll talk about that here in just a second. And number two is through principles. Principles. So the first one, people, let's talk about that here in Ephesians chapter four. And I'm gonna start reading there in verse 14. And it says that we should no longer be children if he says no longer be children, evidently he's wanting us to transition out of a childish stage into a more mature stage. God does not want us to stay babes in Christ. He wants us to grow. Look what else he says. Here's what happens with children. They get tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the trickery of men and the cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting. But speaking the truth in love may grow up. Look at your neighbor and say grow up. Some of you enjoyed that a whole lot. <laughs> grow up. But speaking the truth in love may grow up in all things into him who is the head, Christ. Here's something you, we need to re remember here. He's telling us, speaking the truth in love, we will grow up. Yes. Grow up. There's some great things in this verse I want you to catch. Speaking the truth in love. What is the truth? You ever had somebody say, hey, I just told you the truth. Truth hurts sometimes. I get it. 
When he says speaking the truth and love, the Bible tells us what the truth is. In John 17, 17, he says his word is truth. The truth is not always blasting somebody with your facts and calling it the truth. I'm gonna tell somebody something to encourage them. Sometimes, I'm just speaking the truth in love. No, you're just speaking your mind. Speaking the truth is, I'm gonna tell you what God says, not what I wanna say. What I'm gonna say is not gonna help you any. But if I will speak the word of God in love, now we can go somewhere. So speaking the truth in love, what's gonna make me grow up? Telling me facts in love may not help me. It's just a subtle point there that I think is important for us. Speaking the truth in love may grow up. How many have any plants that, you know, that grow down? You know, that most, you know, I know the roots go down, but the plant itself always grows towards what? Towards the sun, S-O-N, towards the light. We should always be growing towards him, growing towards him. When you speak the truth, you're going to cause people to grow towards the light. Nobody grows towards darkness. You know what, you need some hope in your life and you'll grow towards hope. People will gravitate towards love. They will gravitate towards the principles of God. When you put a plant and you put it towards the window, it starts growing towards that window. So what do you do? Sometimes you'll turn it around so it'll grow back straight and start growing the other direction. Anybody ever done that? Well, this is the same thing. When you speak life and light and the hope of God to people, they will start growing towards that. Mm. Speak the truth in love may grow up in all things. So he wants us to grow into him who's the head Christ. Grow up in all things into him from whom the whole body, here's how we grow through people, verse 16. From whom the whole body, that includes you. Look at your neighbor and say, that's you too. The whole body joined and knit together by what every joint. We're talking about every joint. Every joint supplies according to the effective working by which every part does its share causes growth of the body for the edifying of itself in love. You know what one of the most important things to my growth is? You. You. You help me grow. When you're doing your part, when you're supplying what you can supply, you help people around you grow. We can't grow into everything God wants us to be without other people doing their part. We need people. I don't need anybody, just me and Jesus. Sounds good, but it's not biblical. Do we need Jesus as our ultimate source? Absolutely, but we need relationships. We need people because you have something I don't. You know the reason God didn't give you everything, every gift, every talent? Because he wants us to value other people. I was praying one time about some answers. And I said, God, I need to know this. I need to know the direction, what to do. I need to know, I need to know, I need to know. I need wisdom. Give me wisdom, Lord. Because the Bible says if I ask you, you'll give me wisdom. So I expect you to give me the wisdom. He said, I'll give it to you, but I'm going to give it to you through somebody else. I said, well... Why can't you just tell me? Just cut out the middleman. What if they don't tell me what you told them? Right? So why didn't you just tell me? He said, because I want you to value them as much as you value me. See, if I believe that God may speak to you something that will change my life, I'm going to value my relationship with you. If all I need is Jesus, then who cares about people? You, I forget you, who cares? It, But this is what he's saying. We grow and we grow into the fullness of what we can be as a body, as a church. We will never be everything we can be as a body unless every part is doing its share. 
We got to grow through people. Notice in Nehemiah chapter three, when you look at that and read through there, it says to next to them and after them, next to them, so-and-so did some work, after them, so-and-so, next to them. What does that mean? That words next to them means to follow after or against them. So it means that so-and-so was working against them, somebody else was working. Next to them, somebody was working. Next to them, everyone was doing their part and that's how the wall got built. So my question to you is who are you against? Not who you against, like opposing, who are you side by side working with? Is there, is there a place in the kingdom of God where there's a gap with your name on it or is there a wall with your name on it? Because remember, God, he named the individuals that were working on the wall and then he also named the ones who weren't working on the wall. I don't want there to be a gap with my name on it and him say, well, how come we didn't finish the wall? Well, that's Chad's section. He said he was tired and too busy. So that section of the wall didn't get built and gave access to the enemy to get to somebody. Come on. When every joint supplies, everyone does their part, we build a hedge. Build a hedge of protection around that I don't want the enemy getting to you, so I'm going to build my part of the wall. I'm going to serve. I'm going to be a part of the body of Christ so that I will do my part to help you out the best I can. I want you to grow. And when you're doing your part, you're helping me grow. So we, we grow with people. We bro- grow because of people. And that's why we need every part, everyone doing their part. So now, in addition to people, we also grow with principles. Let me give you a couple of scriptures for this. 2 Peter chapter 3 Verse 18, we need principles to grow by. And here's what 3.18 says. But grow in the grace and the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. To him be the glory both now and forever. Amen. Grow in what? Grow in in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Here's what grace means. Grace is a word charis, which means divine gifts. It means giftings of God released to you, resources of God extended towards you without your merit, without you deserving it. It's without you uh, having to beg for it. Grace is something that's initiated on God's end, not ours. He gives it. So now he says grow in grace. Well, how can I grow in grace if it's on God's part? What he's telling us to do is grow in the understanding of everything God gave me through grace. He says, Chad, I'm extending grace to you. Now, I want you to grow in everything that I've given you. Sometimes we'll grow and then I will get to a place where, all right, he forgave me of my, my sins. I've been, that's grace. By grace, I've been saved through faith, not of works, lest any man should boast. So I realize that grace has saved me. That's awesome, but don't stop there. Keep growing in the grace of God. He says, grow in the grace I like to define grace this way, God's resources extended towards man, unmerited. Everything that God is extended towards me is his grace. He invites me to be a part of who he is. So grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. What does knowledge mean? That word knowledge means continual knowing. In other words, you and I need to grow in knowing God. Grow in knowing him. And you know, when we grow in the grace and knowledge, it's not so, why do you and I need to know more about the Bible? Why do we need to grow in a relationship with God? It's not so we can be better at Bible trivial pursuit. Some people think the only reason they need to read their Bible is to know more about the Bible. 
The only, only way we need to read more about the Bible is if we want to be better husbands, if we want to be a better wife, if we want to be a better parents, if we want to be a better business owner, we need to know the Bible. Whatever you want to be better at in your life, you need to look at the Bible. It's your answer. It's like, well, you know, I don't, that has nothing to do with running my business. It has everything to do with running your business. If you want to be better at handling your employees, you need to know more about the Bible. If you want to be better at handling this relationship, you got this person that you're at odds with, you're offended with them. How do I get past this hurt? How do I get past uh, this situation in my family where we're not talking anymore? You need to know more about the Bible. The Bible will help you know what to do with you and it will empower you and set you free and it will help you know how to deal with them. Grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Keep growing through the principles. The Bible will teach you how to love people. The Bible will teach you how to have patience. Does anybody need patience? The Bible will teach you how to have wisdom. The Bible has done more for me in my life than any other thing that I can name. It's helped me so much. It's helped me be to how I look at things, how I look at life, how, how do I address myself, how do I address others. I go back to the Bible. What do I do with this situation? What does the Bible say? My kids come to me and say, well, what about this? The first things out of my mouth say, well, the Bible says. <sighs> well, it's not because I'm trying to impress you with my knowledge. I'm trying to tell you that the Bible's the best. It's the best. If we will follow the principles of the word, we will win in life. Psalm chapter one says that if we will meditate on the word day and night, and observe to do everything that's written in there and all of that, it says, you will prosper in everything that you do. I don't know anybody that doesn't want to prosper in everything that they do. So if we want to prosper in everything we do, we need to meditate on the word of God. It's not so we will just be better at church so we can win Sunday school trivia contests. Bam, got that answer, bam. It's not just for that. It's so that you can be better when you go into the office, you have the principles of the word of God on your life and you will be promoted. You will be successful. I'm not talking about just financially. I'm just saying you're going to be better. Co-workers are going to come to you and you're going to have a word for them because you know the word. Thank you, Jesus. We We need to know the principles. So see, 1 Peter 2 says it this way, as newborn babes desire the pure milk of the word that you may grow thereby. We got to grow with the word. The word is what helps us grow. It is the water. Ephesians 5 talks about the washing of water by the word that's going to sanctify and cleanse us. So we need the word to grow. If you want to be, grow into the fullness of who you are, here's one of the misconceptions. Too many times, and I thought this for a long time, that knowing more about the Bible was about knowing something outside of me. So my motivation to read was about knowing something else. And how many knows if you're motivated like about knowing something else, it seems distant from you. But what I found is that knowing more about the Bible is really knowing more about me. That when I begin to know what Jesus says about me, he's the one who created me. I've found out things about myself I didn't even know when I read the Bible. I found out what things were available to me because I read the Bible. So it's not knowing more about something outside of you. It's knowing more about something on the inside of you. It's about knowing who you were created to be. So why do you need the Bible? Why do you need to grow so that you can find and experience your best you? 
So you can live a life of freedom and purpose. There's a reason you want to read that Bible. You want to find your purpose in life in the Bible. You want to find your fulfillment in life in the Bible. The Bible is not just a textbook for Sundays. It's a textbook for life. Textbook for life. Having trouble with your spouse? Go to the Bible. Lord Jesus, what do I need to do with this situation? I'm telling you, it'll help you. It'll help you. It'll help you. You may not like what it says. Well, Jim, what, what am I going to do about this job situation? Or what am I going to do about this financial situation? Lord, we are broke. The bills are piling up. I need help. Go to the Bible. Why do I need to go to the Bible about money problems? God is the best financial manager in the universe. He's awesome. He's Jehovah Jireh. He will supply all my needs. So we, when we understand this, that every need I have, the Bible has an answer for it. Grow. So it's about growing. That's what the water gate is about, growing in relationship with him. Now let's go to the horse gate because if we're going to grow in God, guess what? You're going to have some opposition to that growth. If you're going to try and grow closer to God, guess what? How many has ever tried to draw closer to God than all hell broke out? It's like, oh, okay, I'm going to commit my life to Jesus. I'm going to get serious. All right, I'm going to start today, Monday, the day that everything has started, right? <laughs> so I'm, I'm, gonna, I'm really going to press in. I'm going to get serious about my relationship with God. Then all of a sudden, bam, bam, bam. I'm gonna, okay, Lord, I'm going to trust you. I'm going to start tithing. I'm going to honor you with the tithe. I'm going to honor you with the first fruits of my increase. Bam, 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 bam. All of a sudden, everything trying to hinder your growth in that area. Well, I can't. Sorry, I can't do it now. You can. You just got to keep on growing through that. Imagine if your tomato plant, when it's trying to grow from the seed form, when it got to the soil and said, mm, I can't break through. It's too hard. It's too hard. But there's something greater on the inside. You don't think that plant sees resistance when it goes through that soil? All the way from the seed, it's going through resistance. Resistance. If you listen real close, that's what it sounds like. <laughs> it's, growing. it's growing through there. It was kind of. Imagine if it got tired. Imagine if your tomato plant got tired and said, ah, never mind. I can't do it. There's too much resistance. Your tomato, ha- tomato plant has to grow through adversity to see its purpose fulfilled. That's what the horse gate is about, folks. We're going to have to grow through adversity and opposition in order to see our purpose fulfilled. Does it get hard once in a while? Absolutely. But sometimes when I'm growing, I'm realizing I am gaining ground. See, let me encourage you this. Growing sometimes is warfare, but sometimes your warfare is just to keep growing. You catch that? Growing is warfare, but sometimes some of my warfare is just to keep growing. I'm just gonna keep growing. So let's look at this horse gate. What does the horse gate mean? Warfare is about overcoming opposition in our, in our growth. Why they call it a horse gate? Well, in the horse in the Old Testament here, this time in the Middle East, horses were only used for one purpose. Camels and donkeys did all the transportation of things, hauled things. Horses were used for cavalry and chariots. They were for war, only used for war. Let me give you a, a New Testament application of this. Remember Jesus? When he came into Jerusalem, what did he come riding on? A donkey represents servanthood and represented peace. Paco. 
Just kidding, that's for some friends of mine. So he came riding in on a donkey. But in Revelations, when he comes back, what is he riding on? A horse. Why? Because Revelation says he's coming back to make war. Horse represents war. Jesus came in peace the first time. He's, came, he's coming to run the show the second time. It's war up in here. Anybody want to oppose me now? So now, that's what the horse gate's about. It's about warfare. So now, if we're going to war, we need to know how to do it correctly. Need to know how to do it correctly. So I, I pray that we'll be able to help you in this. Because whenever we change teams, when we start serving God, you know, we talked about having an enemy now. Look at, in uh, Acts chapter 2. Look, look at Acts, or sorry, Acts chapter uh, 26. Acts chapter 26. This is Jesus speaking to Paul. And I want you to see what, why we need warfare. You're like, Chad, I don't think we have to have warfare. Here's what Jesus said. Jesus said to Paul, he, I, I want you to go and I want you to open people's eyes in order to turn them from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to God that they may receive forgiveness of sins and an inheritance among those who are sanctified by faith in me. Notice what happens. He said, I want to turn them from darkness to light. So we get born again, we get transferred out of the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light from the power of Satan to the power of God. Once we get born again, you are no longer under the power of Satan. It doesn't mean his power isn't valid. It just means you're not under it anymore. He says he wants you to receive a forgiveness of sin and what? And an inheritance. This is what we're talking about in warfare. Sometimes people will receive the forgiveness of sins, but they'll leave their inheritance on the table. Or they'll say this, well, my inheritance is my eternal home. I understand part of my inheritance is spending eternity with Jesus. Pumped, that's great. But he also told the disciples that here in this lifetime you will also receive I want to gain forgiveness of sin and my inheritance. Well, guess what? I've got an opposition to that. The power of the enemy is going to try and stop me from gaining my inheritance. If he can't stop me from getting forgiveness of sin, he will sure try and get me to stop, uh, to keep me from getting my inheritance. So let's see how we do that. How do we wage war with the enemy? How do we do this? I'm going to look at 1 Peter chapter 5. 1 Peter chapter 5. We'll start reading here in verse because I, I want you to know there's three enemies. There's three things that, we need, that we're going to wage war for, warfare against in our life. Number one is Satan himself. So the word Satan is used 54 times in your Bible in the New King James Version. Jesus himself had to oppose Satan face to face. The next one is the world, the system of the world. That's an enemy we'll have to overcome. And number three is our flesh. Flesh. You know, sometimes some of our biggest problems is not the devil, it's just ourselves. Sometimes we blame a lot of things on the devil and it's just us and our own carnal nature. We're drawn away by our own desires and enticed, James says. So let's look at this. First Peter chapter 5. Be sober and be vigilant. That just means be watchful, be aware, because your adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. So here's a picture of the devil walks about like a roaring lion. Now I grew up watching Mutual of Omaha's Wild Kingdom with Marlon Perkins. And Marlon had his, his assistant, Jim, right? And, and Marlon got the, the pleasure of being able to stand away from the fray, looking and talking into the camera while Jim was wrestling the crocodile over here. But they, when they would talk about lions on there, 
If they would talk about a lion and how a lion would hunt or any type of cat, you know, what, who do they hunt for? Do the, does a lion go up to the big herd of water buffalo and say, let me see who's the biggest and the strongest water buffalo. That's the one I want. That's not what they do. They look for the weakest and the sickest and the one that's isolated from the rest of the pack. He looks for the one that's starting to draw away from the safety of everyone else. And so the lion sees that, and that's the one that they go for. I'm telling you, the enemy is like that, and that he will try and devour us first and foremost by trying to pull us away from the pack. He will try and get you isolated, thinking that you're the only one going through your situation. Nobody cares. Nobody knows. And he will try and get you out of church, pull you away from people, and away from the safety of the pack. But I'm telling you, when the enemy starts talking in your ear, do not pull away from the pack. Stay connected to the family of God. We've got to help one another. You'll see those, those water buffaloes, you'd see them start to circle around. They would stand side by side and they would get the little ones in the middle. And they would be standing there and they're like, come on, come get you some. But the one that's over there, Mr. and Mrs. Independent, on their own, they're in danger. Same way in our walk with God. We've got to stay close to people. You know, the devil's going to try and use offense to get you off by yourself. You know what? That's it. I'm out. And you're going to be separated from people that will bring strength to you and support to you. So this is one of the things he wants to do. He tries to pull us aside. And he goes around like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. But look what verse 9 tells us to do. It says, resist him steadfast in the faith knowing that the same sufferings are experienced by your brotherhood here in the world. Here, this word resist is really cool. It's a Greek word, and it just, it's a word that says antihistamine. Antihistamine. It sounds a lot like an English word that we use, right? Antihistamine. Well, it's the same thing. And antihistamine operates this way. Some of you with allergies will be able to relate right now with what you're experiencing. Some foreign substance, there's a presence of a foreign substance. Your body recognizes it as foreign. So your body releases histamines. And these histamines come in the sign of runny nose or inflammation or issues like that. Start sneezing, all of that. That's your body releasing histamines trying to deal with this foreign object. Well, when it tells him, tells us to resist the enemy steadfast in the faith, and it uses this word antihistamine, it's realizing that when the enemy comes into our life, he brings something that's foreign to us, and we got to be careful to resist him and block what the enemy's trying to do. Maybe it'd be like this. So you get tired. Lack of sleep can make some of us cranky. Let me realize, I can, real, I can feel when I'm tired, my eyes start hurting. And I know when my eyes start hurting, I'm probably going to not be the most pleasant person in the world. I can feel it. I can feel myself getting short. I can feel it. So whenever you're tired, it's, if you're not careful, you can start reacting to that tiredness. So here's what happens. Maybe something's happened. You're tired or you've got issues going on in your life. All of a sudden, you can start having a runny nose and it really being a runny attitude, a runny mouth, a runny whatever. So he says, resist him steadfast in the faith. So now we realize that the enemy is a foreigner to us and God's telling us to resist him and keep him out of our life. 
This is what he's talking about. He, does, he says, resist him steadfast in the faith because warfare, can I, can I clarify this part? Warfare is not beating up the devil. Warfare is not beating up the devil. Spiritual warfare is about receiving and retaining everything that Jesus died to give us. Spiritual warfare is not about winning. It's about receiving what has already been won. You and I could not take back what the devil stole. Jesus took that back, and then he turned around and gave it to me. Now, it's my obligation to receive and retain what Jesus died to give me. That is where the battle lies. The battle is in me receiving and retaining and not giving it up because I believe the lies of the enemy. Let me give you a scripture to, to point this out. 2 Corinthians chapter 10. I want us to understand how to warfare. If I talk about spiritual warfare, here's what some people think. Some people talk about, I tell you what, I've been up all night fighting the devil. Woo! We were fighting all night long. Well, why are you fighting the devil? But here's, I didn't understand that. See, if we spend all of our time focusing on the devil, then we got our focus on the wrong issue. Jesus already beat the devil. So if I'm going to engage in spiritual warfare, here's what I do. Instead of focusing on him, I focus on Jesus. And where my mind is trying to figure out who to agree with, the lies of the enemy or the truths of God, if I will keep focusing on the truths of God, it will overcome and defeat the lies of the enemy. I can't just bind the lies of the enemy without having a truth to focus on. I got to have a truth to grab hold of and believe in. I can resist all day long, but if I don't have a truth to grab hold of in its place then I'm just going to get wore out by this mental ping pong of the devil telling me something and I try and tell something back in positive thought. So he tells me something bad, I try and think good thoughts. Bad thoughts, good thoughts. Bad thoughts, good thoughts. You can't do it. It'll wear you out. At some point, we have to have the truth of God's word and we have to stand and we have to proclaim it because here's what 2 Corinthians 10 says. I started this out. The weapons of our warfare, you and I are in a battle. When you get born again, you're, you're born into a spiritual battle. The battle is not between God and Satan. That battle has already been decided. <laughs> it's not God versus the devil. God created the devil. God could sneeze and the devil would disappear. It's not God versus the devil. It's not this tug of war between the kingdom of God versus the kingdom of darkness. God's nervous as he winning his... God's already on the throne. He's cool. He's under control. The issue is whether you and I will engage what Jesus died to give us or will we believe the lie and leave it on the table. The devil cannot take anything from me. He can only cause me to open my hands and loose grip of what Jesus put in my hand. My warfare is to hang on to the promise when the devil tells me to let go. That's my warfare. When the devil says, Chad, it's not going to work, you might as well quit. You might as well give up. Uh-uh, I'm going to hang on. Hey, quit, you're tired. It's never going to work for you. My, why are you doing that? Why are you doing It's never going to go. Da, da, da. I just got to hang on to what God promised me in his word. That's spiritual warfare. It's believing the truth more than I believe the lie. Because he says the weapons of a warfare are not carnal, they're not fleshly. You can't beat up the devil. He would whip you in a second if it was a physical battle. But, look what happens but they're mighty in God, mighty in God, mighty in God. If you're born again and you're filled with the Holy Spirit, where is God? He's in you. 
So if your weapons are, in, are mighty in God and God is in you, then where are your weapons? They're mighty in you. That word mighty means they're capable and able. That means everything that the enemy is going to throw at you, you have what it takes to defeat him by the God in you. It's not independent of God. It's not without God. It's God in you working. That my warfare is releasing the God on the inside of me that overcomes the enemy on the outside of me. So pulling down, here's what they're used for, to pull down strongholds. Go to the next one, casting down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. Can I encourage you this? Our, our spiritual battle, our spiritual warfare is usually right up here. I don't know what percentage our spiritual warfare is, but most of our spiritual battle takes place in our mind. And here's what we need to do. This verse talks about it. Casting down arguments. Every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. Here's what the horse gates about, warfare. You and I need to engage in this kind of warfare. Warfare is not, if I could encourage you in this way, Warfare is not beating up the devil. The warfare is knowing what the Bible says, the truth of the Bible, and you just keep engaging what the truth is. I keep engaging what God says. When my mind tells me this is what's going to happen, I just keep saying what the Bible says. Keep saying what the Bible says. If I'm going to be up all night, I'm not going to be up all night fighting the devil anymore. And there's times that I stay up, but when I stay up, I'm going to stay up proclaiming the promises of God. Because I'm tired, I'm hurting, I'm discouraged, and I want to quit, or I'm wanting to see a breakthrough in my life, so I'm going to keep proclaiming the promises of God. And I'm telling you, if you will stay up praising God, the devil will beg you to go back to sleep. Well, the devil kept me up all night. Well, I tell you what, just get up and start praising the Lord. Get up and start reading your Bible. Get up and start declaring promises over yourself. He will beg you to go back to sleep. Like, please, Chad, go to sleep. You're wearing me out with these scriptures. Please, go to sleep. Put yourself on the offensive instead of the defensive. Because see, everything, everything that goes against what God says, we got to pull it down. That's our warfare. It's right up here. It's saying, devil, you want to lie to me? There's one thing that helped me in warfare that God reminded me that the devil is the father of lies the truth is not in him so everything that he says is a lie so when he tells you that you will not that means the opposite of that is true and that means you will so when he tells me i can't i get excited that i will when he tries to put fear on me you're I'll be afraid it'll never happen you're not smart enough you're not talented enough let it, whatever it may be tries to put fear on you then i want you to be encouraged by the opposite because he's one to try to get you to just let go go. He can't overpower you because the God in you is greater than what he has. So I want to ask you these two things about today's gates. Number one, what's your relationship with the word of God? Are you growing in your relationship with God or are you just maintaining? You can't grow without a relationship with the word of God. It's not just for preachers and champions of Bible trivial pursuit. That's not what it's for. It's for your everyday life. Are you stuck in a business deal? I'd encourage you to spend some time in the Word and let God show you. You're like, well, it doesn't have anything to do with it. It has a lot to do with it. It'll show you some things. You're stuck in a relationship issue? Go to the Word. Let God show you what to do. And then two, are you, have you learned how to fight? 
Have you learned how to fight for your rights? To fight for what Jesus died on the cross to give you? Some people never build the horse gate in their life for this reason right here. They believe that if God wants me to have it, I'll have it. And the problem is, God says, I give you an inheritance. But at some point, you've got to redeem it. You've got to possess it. It'd be like this. If I was to give you a gift card to a restaurant, here's $100, go out and get something to eat on me. And you would take that card and you say, oh no, I couldn't possibly. I don't mean, I don't want to go to that restaurant and get a free meal off of this card. I mean, I don't deserve that. I mean, who am I to get a free meal? I mean, I don't want to put them out. That would be awkward. Me come in, just give them a card and I get to eat a free meal. I mean, I just, I just can't do that. Sounds silly, but it's the same thing we do with the inheritance that Jesus died to give us. He says, please go redeem it, redeem it redeem it. All you got to do is speak my name, speak my word, redeem my promises, redeem them. They're paid for. They're paid for. Redeem them. No, I couldn't possibly. They're already paid for. It's not about you. I did it. My grace, I provided it. It's not prideful and arrogant to receive the promises of God. It's prideful to reject them. It's prideful to say, oh, no, I don't need all of that. All I need is heaven. I get it. I love heaven. I can't wait. But he died to give me more than that right now. He didn't die to make me rich. He died to supply everything that I needed to do what he created me to do. So I want my inheritance.